Welcome to Hacking the Self, integrating East and West, ancient wisdom with modern medicine. We'll explore holistic approaches to hacking your physical, mental, and emotional health through the prism of science, technology, and spirituality. Welcome to Hacking the Self. I'm Adrian Baker. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. At the moment, my wife and I are in Koh Phangan, Thailand. She's laughing at my mispronunciation, undoubtedly, but however you say it, it's an absolutely beautiful place and wish I could show people the, uh, the view we currently have from our room. I've actually posted a picture to my Instagram page, so if you're curious, you can check it out. But I just got done recording a really great conversation with this week's guest, Mary Porter, who I want to tell you about in a minute, but I want to start out just by thanking a number of people who have signed up to support the show on Patreon. Once again, really delighted at a big uptick in support for people on the show on Patreon and just so appreciative to people who are willing to contribute and it means so much. It really is a big help to making this project sustainable and to hopefully expanding its offerings as well. So just want to start out briefly by acknowledging those people and thanking them. The first supporter, it doesn't, I don't know if that's their actual name or just their username, but Er Aubergin, and maybe it's a French name, but whether that's your real name or not, thank you so much, as well as Rhonda Sayers, Hamish Smith, and Noah Manberg. Thanks. Thank all of you so much for your support. As always, apologies if I'm mispronouncing anyone's name, but just want to say that I'm so grateful to all of you and to all the shows supporters on Patreon. So big note of gratitude and, and also just a big thank you as well to anyone listening to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in again, if you're a repeated listener and, and welcome if you're new. And there are a number of ways that you can support the show not only by contributing on, on patreon.com slash hacking the self, but also just writing a review on Apple podcasting or Google or Stitcher, whatever you use, taking two minutes to do that and write a review really is a big help as well as sharing the platform on your own social media networks. So a lot of ways you can support the show and, and thank you so much to those of you who have done so or are considering doing so. And, and thank you just for listening. So with that said, I want to turn to telling you a bit about today's guest, Mary Porter, and how I know her. So I first heard Mary speak at the Vancouver Spirit Plant Medicine Conference, which happened in early November of this past year. She was one of many speakers, but Mary really stood out for the wisdom that she had to share, as well as the directness and the poignancy of her message. I really just appreciate people who are honest, who are straight shooters, who are no bullshit. And Mary is all of those things. She's a very refreshing voice. And I think that's really important, especially when we get into something like spirituality. And, and undoubtedly, sometimes I think some of my language around this 
probably reflects my own discomfort and maybe my own hangups, but I just think it can be very easy. And Mary and I get into this later in the conversation when we talk about spiritual materialism, Chukim Trumpa's phrase. But Ram Das, who I love and I've talked about on the show, has also talked about this how spirituality can just become a new ego trip. You know, before you were into money or power or some other form of status. And now you're into just showcasing how holy you are. We see it all the time in the yoga world, Instagram yoga. We see it a lot in new age movements. We, we see it everywhere. It's just a fundamental human trap that all of us fall into. It's just so, so easy for our egos to, to want to seize something and to want to use it for their own ends to sort of prop us up and make us feel important and special. And it's just particularly pernicious when it happens, I think, in spirituality. I think there's this innate aversion a lot of people have. It's sort of like when a politician does something really egregious, it's sort of like we're all disgusted, but you kind of expect it of politicians. But when a religious leader does it, there's something just so deeply hypocritical about it. Because the, the gap between what they claim to be and who they actually are is just even wider. And there's something even more repulsive about that. So I just think people who are attempting to hold themselves to a higher standard, and I think that's what anyone, whether you're into Buddhism, and whatever your spiritual background is, or, or if you're just like a totally secular atheist, just trying to live it ethical life, you know, that's what we have to do is to hold ourselves to higher standards. And we are all guilty of being hypocrites. We're all guilty of a disparity between our speech and our actions and our values and our actions. And people, our friends and our family and others are right to point out those gaps and to help us become more self-aware of how we can bring our actions and our values more in line with each other. But I do think there is a particular need for that to really maintain a real sense of groundedness and realness and candor and pragmatism and honesty while at the same time being involved in whatever it is that you're into with quote unquote spiritual world, whether it's meditation, yoga, etc. So I'm always looking for voices who are very uh who can who can manage both at the same time. And Mary Porter is most definitely one of those people. You know, for we all have different styles and for some people, as she says in the show, she, you know, does offend many people. Though, if you're probably not offending anyone, you're probably not saying anything relevant enough or important enough to really engage a larger number of people. So, we all have our own styles. And respect to people who aren't into her style or aren't into my style. We, we each need to find someone that, that resonates with us. But I really appreciate Mary's approach. And, and that's why I really wanted to have her on the show. I'll also say that I wanted to have her on her show because the show, because her topic was spirituality from an indigenous perspective. 
And while I think it's important to be really conscious of no group is a monolithic group and Mary is one indigenous voice among many, that it's great to have someone from a Native American background on the show. And as Mary talks about, she has been recognized as a full-blood American Indian, and there's an incredibly small number of them left. It's something like, Mary can correct me on this, like one or 2,000. It's, it's a very, very small number left. So wanted to have someone who could really speak to spirituality and plant medicine from an indigenous perspective. And also, I thought it was great that we were having someone on the show from a Native American, North American perspective, who could talk about the importance of peyote in their tradition. Because on this show, we've touched on a more South American indigenous perspectives, and we've, we've talked about ayahuasca a lot, which is obviously from South America, though we haven't really talked about peyote. So... Mary represents a new voice in that respect as well. And like I said, it was also just very much a reaction to really liking her on a personal level and her style and what she had to share. So I'm very happy that she made the time to come speak with me. And I really enjoyed our conversation. And I hope that you will as well. With that said, let me read Mary's bio. So Mary Porter is a descendant of the Nez Pierce Yakama Wasco tribes and is the co-founder of the Looking Glass Peyote Church of Oregon. Mary is a chaplain and former sergeant at arms for Northwest Veterans Motorcycle Association, recognized by the peyote people in Texas as a non-tribal full-blood American Indian with intact knowledge of her ancestral descendancy that spans 50,000 years a history that has been maintained orally and recently verified scientifically. The Looking Glass Church is a bona fide 501c church. They are connected with the good faith practice of the religious belief that the earth is our mother and we are all part of nature. Therefore, we are all subject to natural law in the unchanging moral principles regarded as a basis for all human conduct. At the start of our conversation, Mary is going to tell you about the Looking Glass Church, which is very interesting. It's one of only two churches in the U.S. founded on what's called pre-European contact law, which enables them to administer Schedule One substances like peyote and San Pedro and psilocybin mushrooms to people legally. So really unique organization and very unique individual. So with that said, I thank you for listening. And now I give you my conversation with Mary Porter. Your continued support makes future episodes possible. You can help by heading over to patreon.com slash hacking the self. Well, I wanted to, like I said, I was at the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference in Vancouver and I really enjoyed your talk. You know, it really resonated with me. I loved the way you were very forthright. And I want to use that theme of spiritual evolution from an indigenous perspective to kind of frame our conversation because, and I'm sure we'll touch on a range of topics, but 
I think a lot of what you're trying to do is is similar to we share a common message in that one thing I'm trying to do on this podcast is to really get people to reflect on the reasons that they use psychedelics or plant medicines and to encourage not only raise awareness about their value to people who might be skeptical, but also to encourage uh, responsible use and intentional use, you know, an integration to people who might already be enthusiastic. So I definitely want to get there, but I'd love to just start. If you could tell folks a bit about what exactly is the Looking Glass Peyote Church of Oregon and what motivated you to start this project? My husband and I actually founded this church together. We are one of two peyote churches in the United States for that that uh, will administer to anyone of any race. And I started this church out of an event that happened to me at the last Sundance I went to in McDermott, Nevada. And I know a lot of people aren't real familiar with the intensity of some of these things like Sundance, but it's, you know, in the same process that Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse and several of the other indigenous leaders uh, that that I have uh, strong connections to. This is a process they use to try to find a you know a guidepost to send them on their way to you know helping the rest of the people because that's I being a full blooded American Indian I I have a lot of strong ties to my ancestry and and I feel that we you know we have a duty to other human beings and this happens to be mine and my husband and I are working hard and doing as best we can for you know our age and as much help as we have out here but we're we're doing this for several reasons um he's a Vietnam combat veteran and the cactus has helped him in so many ways that it's something that um um, we, we do have a uh, combat veterans group up in uh, the state of Washington that we also work with to help their veterans. But, you know, that's why we're doing this. It gets, I believe that we've come to a place in time on this planet as human beings. We've come to this point where we either have to listen to nature again and learn our own natures and find out what it is, why it is that nature has put us here for, at this time, because every one of us, our energies are needed for this planet and for humanity. And we, it's like growing in the womb, you know, that's what that uh, experience up in Canada, up in that, at that conference, it was beautiful. I mean, we were there the whole, you know, present the whole time and, you know, it was like we were in all in the womb together now. So this is what we take away from that is how it is that we can share our, you know, knowledge, uh, uh, however, you know, with other people so they can be inspired to look inside themselves because that's the main thing with looking glass. I was just telling somebody today that I've had people come here and they want they want to look long and hard at me and Larry. Well, we're both full of faults. We're human beings. We're, you know, we were bikers. Or, you know, we're not, but that's not what this church is for. This is for us to help people take a good, long, hard look at themselves as a human being and find out if they're out of balance, if their being is not, you know, if their being needs work or if their human needs work, 
they need to find that out for themselves. It, it's like, you know, a lot of people say, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And bringing people into nature and helping them relate this natural energy that they're that they're immersed in here, you know, because here it's not all about psychedelics. There's a lot of good native practices that we also do here. It's it's not just pure psychedelics and you know, it's a lot of nature, it's a lot of grounding yourself with the trees and you know, just being human outside of being on some concrete somewhere. Because nature's not going to tell you nothing if you're not going to listen to it where you stand on concrete, you know. One friend of ours is, uh, walked out in the back and laid out in the forest, and, and then he laid there. He hadn't, been in, he hadn't been out in nature like that before in his life. And he said, holy crap, I started uh, realizing that I could be food out here because we're in a two million acre forest. There's mountain lions and wolves and coyotes and we got it all here <laughs> but you know these things you know people can do this for themselves without psychedelics it's you know i encourage people to have their head tied on straight and have their you know past and present in full order before they even you know indulge in some you know a journey like like what happens here i don't want to neither my husband or i or i do not want to hurt anyone's psyche because it's, uh, there's some things in nature that if you break, you can't, they don't grow back and you can't fix them. And your psyche is one of them. And, and I see a lot of people who have had awry type experiences on psychedelics and, and they're still, and years later, they're still dragging on them. You know, so there's some things that, you know, with psychedelics and, you know, the people who administer them, it's very, very important to know exactly, exactly where they're coming from and that you've got yourself in order and your head's tight on straight because there's nothing worse than being more confused than you were when you were confused to begin with. Yes, I totally second that message. And I would love to get your perspective on what your Native American lineage has taught you how it shaped your view, first of all, of spirituality generally. And I'm thinking of probably a lot of listeners to the show who might not have been into religion growing up, but then they got into yoga or they got into Buddhism or even secular meditation later in life. I'm one of those people. And so, but Native American religious traditions offer very different perspective, I think, than what a lot of people grow up with monotheistic traditions. So I'm wondering if you can say, a little bit about that and then talk about what is the role of plant medicines or psychedelics within that larger spiritual framework. I actually was raised by an elder Indian woman, my grandmother, actually my mother and father's aunt, which she was always my grandmother. She was raised by Jesuit missionaries. She was a child that was held captive and was a prisoner of war. She put us through Catholic school for as long as I got kicked out. We got an education on both sides of the fence. She wanted to make sure that we understood what Christianity was because that was what she hung on to. She did educate us with the longhouse and she did allow us to attend the longhouse and she educated us on the seasons and the plants. And But she let us decide. And the majority of my family are Christian. I am not. I've been through my grandmother and some of the elder teachers I've had 
I've um, found that one of my elder teachers just a few years ago, I just found out that he's like the cousin. He, he was the cousin to Crazy Horse, and he was there at those battles back there. Some real heavy medicine people have run through my lineage, and I try my best to not bring my Indian culture too much into looking glass. I, it's for everyone of every race. I, I'm working on myself all the time about, you know, this separation of Indian and white and whatever. But at this point, I kind of see it as spiritual maturity it has nothing to do with color. That's how my culture is my background. Having people do their DNA, I've had a lot of people tell me, come to me and tell me, oh, I'm this much Indian and that much Indian. But it's, I'm not trying to see how much Indian anyone is. I'm trying to see what exactly they are because so many people build their life and their future dreams and everything on this house of cards that they have created this identity for themselves. And then it crashes. I've had a couple people who ran ayahuasca churches come here and try to get me to help them tie their head on straight. And like I said, you know, there's some things you break it and they don't grow back. <laughs> right. It totally did. And I've heard you talk about the DNA part before that, specifically for people who want to work with peyote that they need to do the tw DNA test. It's funny, when I heard you say this in preparing for our interview, it was just within the last week and I just got my 23andMe results back. Yeah, I was really hoping for this surprise, you know, that there was gonna be something that like I totally wasn't expecting and it was just exactly what I expected, totally predictable, which is, it's good to know either way. How much Neanderthal are you? <laughs> Good question. I actually haven't seen that part. And maybe that is just, I need to look on a different tab of the website. But when I looked under the genetic part for ancestry, I just saw the the countries that I was from, you know, in Europe, it told me the different breakdown. Isn't that great? I find it, you know, relaxing and freeing so that people, they don't, they don't have to try to dig up this personality or, you know, presence they've got. It's in their DNA. It's right there, you know. There's just too many people who um, this um, psychedelics aren't they aren't any kind of magic cure all. You know, the the plant medicine will help people who are in tune enough with the plant itself. It's not for everybody. Psychedelics aren't for everybody. Back in the you know a couple thousand years ago, only certain people did peyote, and they did the medicine to help other people. And that's the way it was. And because it takes years and years and years to understand, I have 40 years with the peyote. So I understand the language. I understand what it's, you know, I understand the cues of nature around me because of the medicine. There are several other psychedelic medicines. <laughs> this is our sacrament. You know, I reserve it for people who have already cleared up their past and their present and their hands are clean and their heart is clear and they're ready to meet the creator. Because that's what I see people need to do to get ready to move on to the you know next step in evolution. We don't, you know, get in our past in, in line and in order and sorted out correctly. You really aren't gonna have much, no matter how many psychedelics you take, you don't have your past 
if you're not at peace with all that, you're going to still have problems the next day. There's no, it's not a quick cure for anything. Right, right. Absolutely not. You know, there was another guest I had on the show, you know, who's a real expert on ayahuasca, Dennis McKenna. And he said something which I totally agree with. And it, and it, yeah, I'm sure you know him. And it relates to something you said as well. You know, he said, you know, it's people, we have this tendency to project things on other people or other things, our hopes, you know, and it's this like idea that I'm broke. Jesus is going to fix me. Buddha's going to fix me. Muhammad's going to fix me. And it's also people think ayahuasca is going to fix me. And he's like, ayahuasca is not going to fix you. You know, ayahuasca might help you to fix yourself, but only you are going to fix you. A lot of people don't want to hear that. You know, we want the shortcut. We want to pop a pill, but we've got to do the hard work. And I'd love to hear you talk about, and I've got you, you sort of really touched on it already, at least with respect to peyote, but you shared a bit about what your view of spirituality is, which really, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like a deep connection to nature. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about what is the role of plant medicine and theogens within spirituality? You know, in what ways can it sort of accelerate your spiritual path? And then what are the limitations of it as well? Well, in my opinion, and in my experience, these plants are beings. And when you ingest them and you you go into another dimension, it is where their afterlife is well, when we have these experiences. And I think what happened in some time in the last 35 years, well, everybody's going through this um spiritual worldwide spiritual awakening you know self-awareness thing the plants you know they're just as aware all the animals are just as aware even more so than we are those plants are put there they grow and they i think that they are spiritually connected to the people who they are here to help at this time i think the plants are here to help us oh, yeah. and, and they're part of our dna we're that all makes walking sense. parts. That of makes this. total sense. You know, and these plant medicines are here. these plant medicines are here for specific people. It's not for everybody. I mean, peyote is one dose of peyote here. You know that we administer takes 125 years to grow, and it's really a limited medicine. So it's not for everybody. You know, but everybody can benefit from the knowledge that comes from people who do use the medicine. It's, there are a lot of people who are, and that's one reason why we want to have our church open is because there are other people who had the same experience I did a few years back. I had like, it was like, I was totally drawn to, you know, really use the peyote a lot. And fortunately, I'm, you know, I've been in it for 40 years, so I was able to, you know, get what I needed. But there are people out there that are feeling these needs that these plant medicines are trying to communicate with on a human level. And, and we, we just want to make sure that we're doing our part to make it available right. to the right people. Well, that's a wonderful service. I have to say, after working with ayahuasca in Peru last May, what you said makes total sense to me. And I'm not sure if it would have before, but it does now. I mean, that definitely cracked the shell of my, you know, Western rational enlightenment worldview, for sure. I mean, and the more you think about it, it makes sense. I think we are so disconnected from nature. We have a tough time hearing the message. Well, 
that part of our humanity is from our unwillingness to understand something other than what we want ourselves. not trying to understand what nature wants of us. It's very, very selfish. Um, this world has turned, you know, from, from when it's only been a few hundred years since, you know, there are a couple of million Indian people here, you know, that's, not long to to boil down to 2,703 full-blooded American Indians on this planet, from millions to that. It's really an easy thing to sit back and be mindful instead of just being reactionary. And and that's really, I think, one of the main things that the plants have been telling me is is time to be reactionary is is a you know is a very primitive um, human you know way to be, you know, it's time that, you know, people become mindful, you know, being mindful of the things they say and do not to offend or create negative energy around anything else. People just, I don't know, it's just pretty interesting work, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, totally. What you said about reactivity reminded me of something that you said when you spoke at, at the conference in Vancouver, and I loved it. You said really early on that people had told you that you're doom and gloom and blah, 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 which I, I didn't feel at all. And you said, that's on them. You know, I'm not responsible for what people feel when I talk. And I love that because I see a lot of people out there and it's across the political spectrum. It doesn't matter if you're left wing or right wing who don't think that's true. You know, th they think when someone offends them, Instead of taking that as an invitation to turn inward and think about what their own hangups are, right, or what their own neuroses are, they think their job is to change other people, to confirm to their way of looking at the world. And I just love that you said that. I think it's a message that doesn't get out there enough. And it's, it's sometimes, depending on the crowd, it's, it's not the in vogue thing to say these days, including in a lot of yoga and psychedelic and meditation circles, I have to say. Well, people were a little bit more mindful of themselves and their own history. You know, this world would be a lot better off. I mean, I won't go into great detail, but there was a group of people in Canada that I really offended. <laughs> and, and they were really angry with me for weeks <laughs> after the conference. So, you know, and, and I don't mean any offense to anyone. I am just, I am doing what my great-grandfather wanted for me and for his descendants to be. Let us be free to think our own thoughts and not be have someone corral us into forcing us into their way of thinking. I mean, we are... You know, the, nowadays people say, oh, America needs to be great again. Well, when the hell was it great when they're, you know, murdering thousands of Indians a day and, you know, raping and killing young girls? When when was it great? And now they're saying it ain't great. Well, you know, it ain't never been great. <laughs> you know, you look at it from, you know, you look at it from my ancestors' point of view, you know, it's worse than Nazi Germany, you know. And this is why I say, you know, you have to put your past to peace. You know, before you can, this spiritual evolution with the psychedelics, it's it's kind of get, like getting, you know, a crash course, you know, and you go, you go through this um, internal working of your brain and your senses. And if you're good with nature and everything's good, you know, 
you'll have a good experience. I, I've seen people have bad experiences, but it's because they did not prepare and it was their ego that wanted to do it. And and see, and this is as, as someone who administers it, you know, it's my responsibility not to harm them and not allow them to harm themselves. So if they're not mentally or physically fit, they, you know, it has to be no. I've had people come here and, you know, want to stand here and hand me money and think that, you know, now I'm obligated because this this ain't like a store, you know. (laughs) I do have the right to refuse service to anyone. (laughs) But, you know, and it's ego and these people aren't spiritually mature enough to even, you know, take the life of these plants because that's what, in essence, what we do when we ingest these plants or smoke them or however it is these plant teachers we become their afterlife. And I've had people ponder that for years and still don't know what I'm talking about. The honor and dignity that comes from that, giving those plants a, a voice through a human body, is that's a miracle if it's done correctly and for all the right reasons. You've said a couple things that I really would like to build on. And, and let's start with the first one, which is I think one facet of plant medicines is, is that Certainly, they can be an entheogenic or spiritual experience, and you talked about that specifically with peyote. And another aspect is, and I know you've talked about this more with San Pedro, in mushrooms as medicines. And when I've worked with ayahuasca in the past, people I know in that, in a lot of those communities like Shipibo people in Peru, they, they really think of it as a medicine. And I know for certain people with ayahuasca, and one of my teachers in particular is African-American, really felt that it helped her to go to work through her ancestry, you know, like a lot of the pain and injustice around with African-Americans through slavery. She literally described it as kind of, a, you know, working with your DNA and ancestry. I'm wondering what you think could be the role of plant medicines in the U.S. for helping people to heal not only personally, but maybe even collectively when people from different backgrounds come together from past injustices, such as what's been done to Native Americans by, you know, the ancestors of European descent. If we could go back beyond, go about 2,000 years before Native Americans, we can start, we can talk about the, the Northern European and the European people. You all were tribal. It's so heartbreaking to me to look at some of these people and know that they have no clue that they before they were Europeans, they were all tribal, just like we were over here. And that thing that conquers societies or, you know, groups of people first and turned you all into Europeans. And most Europeans don't even know that they were from a tribe. It's so far lost in their DNA and even their knowledge. And and it's so sad. The creator put us all here, our ancestors. We're all here for a reason. You know, that reason is taken away from us like it has for most people. I see a lot of drug addicts and alcoholics and whatnot because, you know, you just, this world just doesn't allow you to live the life that nature intended for you. And we do that to ourselves with our decisions of how we're going to live. So the plant medicines, they will ground you into what mother nature wants of you if you can just shut your own thinking off enough to realize that that's just background noise you need to hear you need to hear the energy from the earth right 
one thing I was thinking of as you were talking about that, it made me think of the way Joseph Campbell has talked about the way modern Western societies have just totally lost touch with very important fundamental aspects of, of life that characterize tribal likes, life, such as the role of initiations. And I wonder as well if you've thought about the sort of implications for modern society, because you mentioned addiction, and obviously addiction can happen in tribal societies as well. It just seems there's definitely some sort of a role, I think, for things like initiations to play in, for important developmental rites of passages. And I think it could certainly play a role, a lot of positive serve a lot of positive functions, including I could see that as a potentially effective intervention for people against addiction during adolescence when especially young males are at a very susceptible point in their lives. And I'm wondering what sort of your thoughts are on sort of the role of initiations. It's really important to feel your place among the people you're around, your family or your community it's really important to know and feel that you, each one in the community has a special role. And seeing this is what's taken away when you're tribal, is that you're born to a role and you're raised into that role. You don't get to pick. That's just the law of nature. You know, you don't see an oak tree coming around saying, hey, well, I want to be a fur today. <laughs> you know, it don't happen like that. It don't happen like that with people either. Nature has demanded our energies, each and every one of us, demanded our energies to be here at this time. You know, whether people want to be a part of nature or not, you know, I mean, I've had people say, I don't want to be any part of what you're talking about. I'm saying you, you don't want to be a part of nature. <laughs> but you know, each of us have that, that, that same answer. I mean, if you got hair and if you got eyes, if you got skin. I wasn't in the womb and nobody else is in the womb with you. You did all this miraculous crap by yourself and you're still growing and evolving. Just being connected to the earth in, in, in some way, being conscious of and mindful of your surroundings and the people in it, we're tribal people. You know, that's just the way it is. You have a place and, and it's really important for people. It's hard. It's really hard for young people to try to decide what it is they want to do in life. When I have a lot of relatives that that um, live on reservations and things and they struggle all the time, you know, and it just these decisions, you know, and it's as it's, it's clear to me as what I'm supposed to do was to me. And how is it that other people aren't feeling and hearing and knowing this? I'm thinking about what you're saying. I mean, I think there's so much value certainly to having something handed to you and having to that structure. I mean, there's also a certain form of tyranny in it, right? I mean, don't you think certain times people can be born to a role that not wasn't necessarily for them and sort of their their life's journey, their role in life is to figure out what really their role is to figure out what their purpose is. So on the one hand, I get how the loss of that has been destabilizing. On the other hand, I'm not sure if that's necessarily something that I would want to return to. And undoubtedly part of that is, you know, Western bias as well. But don't you think there can be a certain, because I'm just conscious of it because I'm in Asia and I know how suffocating that conformity can be for some people. 
Well, you know what happens to wolves in the wild? They get killed. When they're <laughs> out of place, not doing what nature put them here to do. What happens in nature? And now, as clear-thinking, smart human beings, we understand that we can never prevail against nature. So, in all animals, there is an order of things. And we're set a, lot, a little apart. We're animals. I mean, we're. I think the birds are more important than we are. Hell, there's more sky and air than there is anything else. You know, I think birds are more important than we are. But learning to take our place in nature and accepting what that is, because, you know, it's like a lot of these, we work with combat veterans, and I hear a lot of stories about, like, you know, they all, you know, everybody was, you know, with guns and they were, you know, doing the heavy duty stuff and whatever, you know. But hey, you know, I I know that there were people back there sitting behind desks. It takes a whole lot of people to make this whole world go around and we all, nature has its plan, you know, and the more we don't respect nature and hear what it's telling us, Nature gets sick of people, you know, I, being in Asia, you got to know this, you know, nature takes its course, uh, you know, and, you know, in large amounts at times, you know, my, my daughter is a engineer and she, she uh, has been working over in Nepal, you know, so nature takes its course, you know, whether we like it or not, it's going to happen, you know, civilized or not, you know, educated people or not. When nature is done with us, we are going to be done. We're going to be done. And this is the importance of, you know, the plant medicines and, and, and the importance of, of protecting their use because it's been taken away before from people. And if people are irresponsible about this, then, then they don't, we don't really deserve to have the right to these medicines. So, you know, the, another really important aspect about psychedelics is being responsible and being adult and mature and um, understanding that your actions or your inability to react correctly could reflect on a whole bunch of other people in these psychedelic communities. So, you know, be aware and be honest with yourself when you do these things. Yeah. Amen to that. You know, I was at a psychedelic conference in Australia in December and this uh, prominent psychiatrist who argues for MDMA for people who suffer from PTSD was saying, you know, total respect to the people in this crowd, you know, but just kind of thinking about the image that's going to change the public mind. And he's like, people wearing tie-dyed shirt with dreadlocks is not what's going to change the public image around psychedelics. So just <laughs> really thinking about kind of the message that we put out there. Yeah. Better not when you're not part of the mainstream, when you're in a minority, your individual actions are construed as part of a larger group. Fair or not, that is the reality of it. Yeah. You, you've talked about how you've worked with people, both combat veterans and also people who struggle with addiction. I'm wondering what you've learned about how plant medicines can help people who are struggling with addictions. And if you want to touch on PTSD too as well. Though I don't mean to assume, of course, that all veterans have PTSD, but if you want to assume how it's helpful, and then once again, what are the limitations as well? So what else do people need to work through addiction or trauma? Well, the thing about addiction, trauma, PTSD, all of these are spiritual injuries that change the vibration of how you think about these things when it's going on in your brain. What plant medicines, what, what, what I see and what I've seen over the past 
40 some years now is that working with people who have these traumas, if you can keep them in a, you know, if you, you know in a proper environment, you can administer these medicines and it can change the vibration of that thought and memory because when you have these feelings and things that make you feel sad it's your energy working against you because you haven't put that in order you you haven't made that energy move in the right direction and the plant medicines kind of like to do like it's almost like a you know restarting your computer <laughs> you know start you know back to you know original factory settings before you messed it all up the vibration the the work we've done that is especially with my husband yeah he was an air commando in vietnam and he has a lot of trauma but he's extremely stable he's way healthier than a lot of guys that are way younger than him but he has put everything in his past in order and he's put he, he's put his faith into nature and the plant medicines, and he's stable, doing well, and fine. Every he's even he hasn't driven in like 16 years, and he's he's starting to drive again. But these memories and these energies that cause your addictions, that cause your bad memories or whatever there's no bad memories the only thing bad is how you are perceiving it all these things are positive actions that happened in our lives and it's all how you use that energy or let it use you when you have bad memories it's energy that needs to be set right go in the right direction you know, clear up your thoughts about this thing. And, and the plant medicines, they, they, they change your vibration level for, you know, a certain amount of time. And it really helps people change the context of that memory. Say, you know, like my husband, he, I, I don't think he'll mind, but he's been in a couple of plane crashes. It really bothered him until we sat around the fire and he's on medicine and he got to relive that thing that bothered him sitting around a fire comfortable with a cup of coffee and some medicine so the memory has been changed the energy of that memory has changed from this horrible thing that happened to when it comes up now it's a pleasant memory we sat around a fire and he you know and he doesn't feel the same way he did anymore and that's just you have to understand that everything that goes on with us, it's all about our energy. So much of what you've said, Mary, both I've heard you say it before and just right there, you know, it, it connects so much to a lot of Eastern traditions. And I know that's true when you get to the bottom of a lot of great religious traditions. I think that it points to certain truths, but particularly what you say about, for example, the way you relating to your thoughts and perceptions, it has a very Buddhist feel. And I've heard you, you know, really encourage people in the past if they want to work with psychedelics to meditate. I'm curious at all if you've had any experience studying with Eastern traditions or if you came across meditation just through your own background. I'm, I'm just kind of curious about that. Actually, I just recently have been, uh, I made a friends with a group of Tibetan Buddhists. One of them... <laughs> Through DNA, we found out we're like sixth DNA relatives, and and he's a elder uh, Tibetan monk. And what I can say about 
spirituality and why these things run along the same lines is because all these energies run on a wavelength. And all indigenous people have connected with this in a way that a lot of Europeans have lost through being civilized. It's like the age of the earth. It's like the seasons changing. You know, everybody in, you know, Oregon, Washington know when it's winter. It's the same thing with spiritual knowledge. It's in the air. (laughs) You know, it's the energy that flows around everything in nature. And people are susceptible to if if you can set your mind and your your perception at, at peace for a minute and let nature show you something, it, it will show you something. These things are the same because it's, it's, it's a universal law. These things aren't Buddhist. They're not, you know, they're not Indian. They're not, you know, they're not Hindu. They're human. These are, these are part of our human, you know, our being is our spirituality. You can hook those two together. You get really amazing. Yeah. I like that. That's a great answer. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you are enjoying the show. To those of you who are supporting the show on Patreon at $2 or more a month, you can head on over to patreon.com slash hacking the self to hear the rest of my conversation with Mary. And to those of you who would like to hear the rest of this conversation, as well as additional bonus content for other episodes and my own personal thoughts, you can Simply support the show on Patreon at $2 or more a month and get all of that access. And I'll also continue to provide access to most of the show's content for free to people. But I am doing this as a way to incentivize people to support the show on Patreon to help finance the production costs of the show and to help make this a more sustainable project. So thank you so much to everyone who's listening, whether you're a supporter on Patreon or not. And I would love to hear from people. So you can reach me at hackingtheself at gmail.com, at hackingtheself on Twitter, the Hacking the Self Facebook page, or on Instagram, which I'm just starting to be a little more active on now. And the username is hackingtheself1, the number one, hackingtheself1. So thanks so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you next week. So take care. This episode has ended, but head over to hackingtheself.org to access all of the resources and links mentioned in today's show, as well as bonus content available exclusively to the show supporters on patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash hackingtheself. Thank you for listening to Hacking the Self, optimizing physical, mental, and emotional health through the prism of science, technology, and spirituality.